1: 90%. That's the percent of your life that you're in your underwear. And underwear gets old fast. You know that feeling of putting old, saggy underwear on. You need to know the feeling of great-fitting underwear that's two times softer than cotton. You need to know about MeUndies.com. MeUndies is the most comfortable underwear you will ever wear. And it's insane how good they make you feel. They fit perfectly. They don't write up on you. They literally pull moisture away from your skin so you stay cool. I have mine on right now, and I'm floating. Gary had to pull me down from the ceiling. That's how high I was, just because the underwear. They have cool styles for both men and women, and they all look great. Check out the photos yourself at MeUndies.com. This quality would typically retail for two times the MeUndies price. No retail middleman means more savings for you. So I'll make it easy for you guys. Just go to meandies.com slash Allison and get 20% off your first order and free shipping. Save even more when you buy a pack of them. They guarantee you're going to be happy or your first pair is free. Once you have them on your body, you're never going back. But you want to get that 20% off, so you have to go to MeUndies.com slash Allison. Rosen, Allison. Allison,
2: Allison, is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with her.
1: your new best friend. Hey everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with legend Wink <laughs> Martindale.
0: Legend, I love that. I you love are. that. You <laughs> are. You're a
1: legendary game show host, <laughs> DJ. Guy who has a cool website, I spent some time poking around in Wink's World today. Oh,
0: you did? Well, that's, that's sort of an old uh, website of mine. Uh, my Facebook is really good.
1: Oh, that's where I got to go then. That's, that's where you all have the to stuff. go, yeah. Well, so I have to ask, while I was poking around the various things on your website, yeah. but at one point, you, you were the one who put all that stuff on there, right? Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. But that so, was like five years ago. Okay. Yeah, so it's very outdated.
1: Well, what I found was how to do CPR on yourself. Do you remember your interest in CPR on yourself it's if you feel, if you're alone and you need CPR you you take a deep breath in, and then you cough forcefully.
0: Yeah, I remember that, but it's been a while since I uh, put that up, and I've forgotten. I've probably have forgotten how to do CPR <laughs> on myself.
1: One would hope you wouldn't need to do it on yourself, but I was just wondering what w- what was your interest in it at the time.
0: I don't know. Uh, I think that I'd seen something in a newspaper or a book or read something somewhere about uh, CPR, and I just became very interested in, first of all, how to administer CPR to someone could I do it if I were in a restaurant and someone needed me to right. administer CPR? And I remember thinking, if it happens, I hope it's somebody that's gorgeous. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's it usually never not, happened. right?
1: <laughs> See, I think the danger in becoming too aware of a bunch of medical things without any training, is yeah. that when you're on an airplane and they make that announcement, like, is there a doctor in the house? Yes. I always have this temptation to raise my hand and be like, no, but my dad's a doctor and I feel like I know a lot of stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but I played one on TV.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So how's it going, Wink? I Everything's going
0: great. Celebrated yeah. a birthday, right? Yeah. Happy yeah. birthday. Another birthday. Another birthday. Another birthday. I feel very blessed. You know, I, I still have uh, been in this business ever since I was 17 years old. And Allison, um, I'm still going, still doing it, still upright, and uh, still in demand to a degree. And uh, as you get older, you know, naturally the, the awards come more easily than the, uh, than the jobs. Mm-hmm. But uh, I still get called quite a bit. And, uh, in fact, that's why I'm here to, uh, on your show, you know, because of that funny 90-second uh, Sherman commercial yes. we did.
1: Exactly. So I was, I was uh, reading, and I found this quote of yours that I thought was really interesting mm-hmm. uh, that I'm going to find. And I had it one second ago. Here yeah, I hope go. it's something
0: outstanding okay. and interesting.
1: I thought it was both. Uh, and it was, the biggest thing to remember in game show—hang on one second— All right, and I had it, and this is wonderful podcasting. Bear with me. Okay, here we go. The biggest thing to remember in game show hosting is you've got to have fun. For most people, this is their one and only time ever on television, so you want to make it as memorable as possible. The best hosts take the spotlight off themselves and shine it on the contestants, making them the stars of the show.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: And I was wondering, did you start out realizing that, or was that something that you arrived at after trial and error.
0: I think that I knew a little bit about that when I first started, because I've always been a people person, and the most uh, enjoyable part of uh, game show hosting to me has always been that uh, 30 to 40 to 50 seconds when the contestant comes out, and you try to make them feel as, as comfortable, as easy as possible, because if you make the, the, the most of them, 99% of them are going to be very, very nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, They've been through the thing where they played the game uh, in the office and they've been selected to be a contestant. But they're still nervous. And it's my job as the host to make them feel at ease. Because if that happens, they're going to give me a better show and they're going to look better and they're going to make me look better. Right. So I just always, uh, you know, tried. I don't think it's something I really worked on. It's just something that was in my head.
1: And so how do you or how would you make them feel comfortable?
0: By just... uh, by just making them try to feel at ease, uh, ask them things that, of course, I have notes on their, their life. And right. so I ask them things that I think they are going to have fun with uh, and give me good answers to. So that's all just, you know, one-on-one fun. And, and if that happens, then, like I say, they're going to give you a good game. And the whole show is going to be better.
1: I'm always amazed at how relaxed contestants seem on TV, considering that they're not professionals. I mean, sometimes they seem very locked up, but other times, like I'll watch a show like Jeopardy, and I think, you know, you have to really, they have to really be concentrating to try to pull up all those answers or those questions, as it were. And they're able to do it.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, by the time you get out there and you are a contestant on the show, Uh, you've gotten yourself to the point. You've watched the show, obviously, at home. It's a show you wanted to be on. Otherwise, you wouldn't have auditioned. Uh, So by the time you get out there, you're feeling pretty relaxed. And again, it's my job to make them feel even more relaxed. I remember we uh, on Tic-Tac-Toe, which I did for 10 years, we uh, every fall during sweeps had a over-80s tournament, where Mm -hmm. all the players were over the age of 80. Now, this gets back to relaxed contestants (laughs) once again. This gal was 86 years old. She was a widower, Dr. Reba Kelly. And um, it was that period of time where I was having a little repartee between the two of us, just talking before we started the questions and answers, 86 years old. And I said, Dr. Kelly, at your advanced age, uh, do you ever think about dating? She said, and without blinking an eye, I don't know whether they gave her this. I don't think they gave her this answer because they didn't know I was going to ask this question. I said, at the advanced age, do you ever think about dating? She says, yes, Wink. I have four boyfriends. I said, really? (laughs) She said, yes. I get up with Will Power. I take a walk with Arthur Itis. I come home with Charlie Horse, and I go to bed at night with Ben Gay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that was one of those situations where it blew me away. Right. And we literally had to stop tape for about 10 minutes to get, you know, the audience fell down. That's... But those things happen, though, you know, I mean, that's that's what a host dreams of.
1: Right, right. Yeah, now, I always laugh at certain game shows, not the ones you've hosted, but certain game shows, I think <laughs> people come on there and tell what has got to be their most boring story. Yeah. Or maybe that's really the pinnacle, but it seems to me, come on something more interesting happened to you than that you went to SeaWorld on your honeymoon.
0: Yeah, well those are the uh, those are the contestants. Those are the times that you hope never happen. <laughs> but, you know, when you do a show over a period of uh 5-6 years, you have a good run with a the show, they're going to happen, you know. All the contestants are not going to be terrific. Some of them are. My best contestant ever, if you're interested. Yes. Uh Tom McKee, he was a guy in the Navy down in San Diego and he came up became a contestant on tic-tac-toe, and he was on for 47 straight days.
3: Wow.
0: He won 317000 and change. He won eight automobiles, eight Buicks. And uh, I remember he gave one of the Buicks to his brother, who was a missionary in Africa, and he sold the others and bought him a Mercedes. And he got the license plate, which he still has to this day, although he lives back in North Carolina, tic tac <laughs> <laughs> but he was the best contestant that, that I ever had in all my years on uh, on game shows. And I still I stay in touch with him. He comes out here for a golf tournament every uh, summer at Lakeside. And uh, Sandy, my wife, and I always go out and have dinner with him. Mm-hmm.
1: I also read that you said that it was Gene Rayburn that taught you to that, you have to be like warts and all. You have to let it hang out, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Gene was, I think, one of the best at what he, he did. He, he was just terrific. He did the match game, and that was, you know, a lot of double entendre stuff. But the guy who, you're right about the warts. He, he mm-hmm. taught me. So you have me, to be yourself. Yeah, essentially, just yeah. be yourself, 100%. But the guy who really got me interested in game show hosting was uh, Alan Ludden. Oh. I, I became addicted to a show called Password. I used to rush home from my radio show at KFWB, and then when I was did mornings in, and I'd have to be home by noon to watch Password. <laughs> and I, I, not that it was a you know anything fa- it wasn't a fabulous show. It was just so simple, you know. And maybe that's why I liked it some way. Simple people like simple things. <laughs> so uh, I uh, did a little research, and I found out that Alan Ludden went in. Two days a week, knocked out 10 shows, and the other five days, he played golf. And I went <laughs> to my agent, Noel Rubeloff, Abrams Rubeloff, and I said, Noel, uh, I've been kind of watching game shows lately, and especially Password, and I said, I found this out about Alan Lutton. I said, I'd love to go on an audition for game." Make a long story short, he sent me on several auditions, and the first one was a local show on KTLA called What's the Name of That Song, which later became What's This Song?, and it was successful locally, and it got on NBC. It was only on for a year, sort of a name that tune type show, mm-hmm. but it was a daytime game show, and uh, they shortened my name to Wynn because uh, the guys who make the big decisions in New York, you know, the big moneyed guys, right. they, they came up with Winston, the idea that Martindale they, was they said Wink work. Wink. I was Wink. Wink was uh, too juvenile. Let's knock the K off. So for a year, I became Win Martindale. <laughs> so. Uh,
1: but then you overruled that it
0: lasted yeah. after that after that one year i went on to other shows and uh, uh, nobody seemed to care anymore that wink was wink instead mm-hmm. of win
1: so at that point you went from being a dj right to to doing had you done a lot of television before
0: well i had uh, i started in radio when i was 17 in jackson tennessee my hometown and then went to memphis and then came out here to khj transferred by rko and uh, in Memphis, I did my first two television shows when they went on the air, and uh, with a TV station, in '53, and it was called Wink Martindale of the Mars Patrol. I had my little Mars Guards, six, seven years old. We'd drink our Bosco and milk and blast off, and segue into the old Flash Gordon D movies they used to show as serials in the on Saturday afternoons between mm-hmm. movies. That was my first TV show, and uh, then I graduated uh, at the same station to the top 10 dance party, I was sort of the Dick Clark uh, of Memphis when every city had its Dick Clark when American Bandstand was just huge. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that until uh, I came out here in 1959. And then I did the same kind of show out here and did it at Pacific Ocean Park down at the pier in Santa Monica for several seasons. And in 65, uh, while I was a DJ in the morning at KFWB, I decided I wanted to try game shows, because that's when I got hooked up on Password.
3: Password,
1: right. So has your career, like, what's striking me about that is oftentimes the story that I hear and hear is that someone, you know, and then someone called me and said, would you be interested in this? And then I thought, I don't know, maybe, and then I met with someone, and then they offered me the job. Like, people just kind of bounce from one job to the next, but you called your agent and said, I would like to get into game shows. Is that how most of your career has been?
0: Yeah, yeah. It really has. I, uh, Luckily, I've been able to sort of pick and choose and uh, have been successful at uh, some of the things that I've done and, of course, unsuccessful at others. But, uh, yeah, I, um, I've always uh, been lucky. and I, For example, I um, came out here and I had a record contract with Dot Records and I made a record and it sold a million. I got on the Ed Sullivan Show. Things like that just happened to me my first year in California, and I thought, man, this is easy. How come I didn't come out here sooner? <laughs> <laughs>
1: so how did you begin doing radio at 17? Like, what's what's your the early life story?
0: Well, in Jackson, Tennessee, a little town, 25,000 people between Memphis and Nashville. And from the time I was about seven or eight years old, I always wanted to be on the radio. One of these microphones just totally enraptured me. <laughs> uh, the idea that you could talk into one of these and it came out the end of the speaker somewhere on a radio. It just, I was fascinated by that.
1: Where did you first encounter it? Uh, you mean? Microphones or radio or oh, just the whole well, idea.
0: Uh, when I was probably seven or eight years old, I sent off and got a little uh, crystal set where you put a little crystal on top of a little, um, little, what do you call it? A little needle on top of a crystal and you put your earphones on. And if you put the crystal just right, you know, you could oh, pick wow. up the local radio station. And that, that's when I really that's got involved antenna. in radio. And I used to listen to radio constantly. You know, I'd go to bed at night listening to Jack, Doc and Reggie, uh, And I would listen to Mr. District Attorney, Champion of the People, Guardian of our Fundamental Rights to Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Just enamored with radio. I'd come home in the afternoon uh, from grammar school and listen to all the soap operas in the afternoon with my mom. And so from such an early age, I I feel lucky uh, because I always knew what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know whether it would work out or not, mm-hmm. and it worked out great. And it's it's been a good living for me and a, and a good career. But it, it uh, I never – so many kids grow up – you know, kids. Sometimes people grow up into their 30s and 40s, and you know this to be true. Uh, they don't know what, what they want to do with their life. Yeah. And I feel I was so blessed and so lucky because I knew from the time I was yay big what I wanted to do. She, and it worked out.
1: Do you have siblings?
0: Uh, yes. I have uh, one sister and uh, – Two brothers who are deceased, and one brother who is uh, in Jackson, Tennessee. He's in the hospital now, but he just hit his 89th birthday.
1: Oh wow! Happy birthday to him. Yeah. Although spending it in the hospital not is fun. not fun. Yeah. Did your siblings also know what they wanted to do, young?
0: Yeah, they, none of them were in the business, but uh, yeah, they—they uh, they all both—all three of my brothers knew what they wanted to do, mm-hmm. and my sister got married and, of course, became a housewife.
1: And what did your parents do?
0: My father was a lumber inspector. He graded lumber. And my mom uh, was one of those uh, ladies who stayed at home and, and raised us kids.
1: Now, your mom thought you should be a preacher, right?
0: Yeah. She always thought, she said, son, with your voice, you should think about uh, getting into the ministry. And I had to convince my mom, said, mom, you know, it's, uh, you have to be called to the ministry. You don't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to be a preacher. <laughs> so uh, she never quite understood um, my... Uh, description of, of, of what a radio guy was, but she finally, she lived long enough to see me enjoy some success. And, uh, and my and my dad did too. My dad didn't want me to be in radio because in, in our small town, we would have guys come through town and they'd stay for a month or so, run up a bunch of bills and then leave town under the cover of darkness. And so radio announcers per se in Jackson, Tennessee had a bad rep. And he, 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 that's all he knew about radio. But then he lived long enough to see me. In fact, he took me to Memphis for my audition at WHBQ in Memphis. And uh, he lived long enough to see me enjoy a little success, too.
1: Nice. Now, you said that your mom never quite understood your description. of. You mean she didn't really understand what your job was?
0: Yeah, she didn't understand. First of all, she didn't understand why I wanted to be in radio. I remember the first time she ever heard me on the radio it was the day that I got my job at 25 bucks a week. My uh, former uh, uh, Sunday school teacher managed the local radio station. I kept bugging him all the time. So finally, he gave me an audition, and he said, not bad. You come down tomorrow after school, and we'll do this for the mayor who owned the station, and we'll see what he says. So he came down, listened to me uh, after school the next day, and uh, liked it, and... um, Give me 25 bucks a week. And I got the job and I called my mom and I said, mom, I'm going to be on the radio at six o'clock. I'm going to be doing a Nolan's Kitty Shop commercial. You be sure and listen. So at six o'clock, you know, I did the commercial, 60 second commercial. First thing I ever did on the radio live. And then I went home and she said, I thought you were going to be on the radio. I said, I was. Didn't you hear me do the Nolan's Kitty Shop commercial? She said, that wasn't you. (laughs) You know, we never sound like Right, we think we should sound on the radio or to other people, you know. But it was uh, she was a great gal, and uh, she lived to be eighty three years old.
1: Do you remember what you did for your first audition?
0: Um, uh, yeah, I remember that. Well, me, a little background: my dad, uh, who was a lumber inspector, every year got a year subscription to Life magazine. And so I used to tear out the page because I knew I wanted to be a radio announcer right. and I needed to practice. So I'd tear out pages from Life Magazine, the advertisements, and I'd go into the back bedroom of our little house and close the door and I'd pretend. I'd ad lib around the, the the commercials. So I learned how to do that pretty well and learned how to ad lib. And... um I was always a good reader. I always took pride in my reading. And I used to pretend I was a DJ on the radio and I'd buy records with all my uh, paper route money. (laughs) And I was a soda jerk at Baker's Drugstore. And uh, every extra dollar I made, I would buy records. Well, the old 78 RPMs. And pretend I was a DJ, a little (laughs) record player at home. And I also pretended I was a newsman. So I would read five minutes of news. And um, so my audition that day for Chick Wingate, He didn't really know what to expect. He just knew that I kept bugging him to give him a job on the radio. Well, little did he know I had been practicing all these these years for this moment. So he sat me down in front of a microphone, tore off some AP copy and gave me a couple of commercials. And I went through those like Grant going through Richmond. (laughs) And he couldn't believe it. And that's when he said, we'll get the mayor to come down tomorrow and you do the same for him. You'll get the job. But that was my audition. I don't remember ex- preci- right. precisely what it was, but that was my audition.
1: But that's interesting. So your voice, at, at what age do you feel like it was apparent that you had a unique voice?
0: Well, my voice got deeper and deeper as I got older, of course. But uh, I think that when I was about 10 years old, I uh, began to enunciate and try to get rid of my Southern accent so I wasn't talking like this all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew that I had to, you know, create a... A, a sound for myself and get rid of that Southern accent. So I used to work on that. And that all started including the sound of a voice that I thought, mm, this may be good for radio, when I was about 10 years old.
1: it's incredible. Yeah. So you got your first radio job at 17. Uh-huh. Uh, and then what was the next thing you did?
0: Well, I was in Jackson for two years, and I uh, made an audition for WHBQ, which was my dream job. I looked upon Memphis as being New York, you know, because uh, it was a metropolis as far as I was concerned. Growing up in a town of twenty-five thousand, so I sent an audition over to WHBQ. That was the station that everybody and all the kids listened to because they played more music than anybody Mm -hmm. else.
1: Oh, and I should should ask, what was the like? What were you doing on the radio at this point? What was? Did you have your own show? What was was, format
0: in Jackson? I was just doing. I was sweeping out the station. I was doing the news. I was doing the sports. I was playing music. You know, whatever so whatever was in my schedule, you know, my announcer schedule for that day. That's what I did. Right. And then when I got to Memphis, I got the morning show called Clock Watchers, the top-rated show in town, <laughs> and I did. It was always a dream for me to do that, you know. And all of a sudden, here I am doing it. And so I, while I was doing WHBQ radio, uh, one night in. Uh, July of 1954, I happened to be there that evening showing some of my football playing buddies from high school around the radio station because they wanted to see what WHBQ studios looked like. Everybody listened to that number one station. And while I was walking around showing them the station, I heard this uh, commotion start in one of our studios. And there was a nighttime jock named Dewey Phillips. He was on from nine to midnight and he played black music for white kids. That was when the black rhythm and blues was really beginning to create a force. Rock and roll hadn't hit yet. That wouldn't happen until Rock Around the Clock and Mm -hmm. That's All Right, Mama. But uh, I went into the control room and uh, Sam Phillips, founder of Sun Records, had walked in and handed Dewey Phillips, no relation, this uh, acetate. Wasn't even a record. Wasn't pressed yet. Just an acetate of That's All Right, Mama by this truck driving singer named Elvis Presley. And the switchboard lit up, and Sam had Gladys and Vernon's telephone number. They lived in low-rent housing in East Lauderdale Courts down in East Memphis. Very low-rent housing. And he said, call and see if, uh, where's Elvis? Let's get him down here. And so I called and Gladys answered the phone. She said, Well, Elvis was so nervous about his record being played that night on the radio that he went to see a double feature at the Suzors. <laughs> so he went to see a double feature Western. They said, We'll get in our truck, we'll go find him, we'll bring him down to the radio station. My so word. Th- so they went to the Suzors Theater, walked up and down the dark aisle, found Elvis sitting there all by himself. <laughs>
1: Did they have a photo of him or they just were like, You look like the person who no, was." no, No, was the their son. Sent- oh, 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 they went. Sorry. I thought Gladys you meant- and Vernon. Gotcha. I thought you meant." People from the radio station went no, to find no. him. No, no, the mom went. and dad. That makes when sense. When they found they out, would know what they was were like.
0: listening, and they knew of the excitement because they were listening on their radio at home. So even before I called him, they were excited. Right. So they got in their truck. They found him, brought him down to WHBQ. That's the night I met him for the first time. Dewey Phillips put him on the air, and it uh, was the first interview that was ever done. In fact, he always said later that had he known the microphone was on, and he, was, he, he knew the microphone was in front of him. He had no idea. He was on the air. Mm-hmm. He said had he known that, he wouldn't have been able to talk because he would have been so nervous. But that's the night I met him. Uh, he was, became a friend that night, and uh, uh, he, became, he, he remained a friend until the day he died in 1977. But that night in July, 1954, was the beginning of Presley mania.
1: What was he like?
0: He was very nice, very withdrawn, very uh, he sort of had a complex in those days, you know, very quiet. And uh, he was, but Elvis always, you know, was uh, the, to those of us who knew him well, uh, no question about it. He was, he was just a terrific guy. You know, uh, the fact that his life ended the way it did was really uh, bittersweet and tragic. Uh, But he had so much, you know, so much came so... You know, you hear about people who get so much too soon, yeah. and maybe that was part of it. But Sandy, my wife, uh, who you'll talk to later, has a a pretty concise idea about why Elvis went the way he did.
1: Really? Yeah, because I was going to say, did you have a sense that it was heading off the rails for him?
0: No, because uh, that all happened uh, long after he came out here and started doing movies. And by then i was uh, I was married and having kids, and I wasn't one of the little uh, Memphis mafia, so to speak. I would just see him on rare occasions
3: mm-hmm.
0: but uh, um, I, I never i never I always heard about what was happening to Elvis, you know, with the pills and all that, and the visits to the hospital, which became more frequent uh, but i I never saw it firsthand.
1: Right. You mentioned having kids. You have four children, right? Mm-hmm. Th- yeah.
0: Three girls three, and a boy. Three
1: girls and a boy. Yeah. How old were you when you started having kids?
0: I was twenty-one.
1: And did, were you excited? Were you scared?
0: Well, you know, it happens. It happens so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I got, I got married, and uh, I think nine months and two days later, I had my first kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was, it was exciting. You know, I think, I think that that we're brought into this world if not have kids have grandkids i think we i think we're here to have grandkids because we have more <laughs> fun with them you know but it was uh, very exciting and with every uh, every kid all four you know when they were born it was tremendously exciting
1: what i found is that people are often a different kind of grandparent than they are a parent Are you different to your grandkids than you were to your kids?
0: I think so. I think, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's certainly not that you love uh, grandkids any more than you love your own kids. It's just that as you grow older and as the grandkids come along, you have more time to spend with them than you did with your own kids. Because, you know, then I was working, working, working and uh, had a little time at night you know, to spend with them. But that was about it. You know, and I think that's the biggest difference in, in uh, kids and, in, uh, and grandkids, the fact that you get to spend more time with them and you have more fun with them. Mm-hmm.
1: Also, I imagine there's less pressure with grandkids because with your kids, you're probably trying to shape them or mold them. Well, yeah. Or, and, you know, you know with it's grandkids, it's not
0: your problem. <laughs> 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 you know, you go see them and you always say, well, hey, I'll see you later.
1: Right, <laughs> You go home. Well, since we talked about Elvis, I think in a moment we should bring your lovely wife in because she has Elvis stories as well. But first, I want to tell you guys about Blue Apron. Do you cook? No, I don't. Okay. I cook eggs. Well, Does that count? That counts. And I feel like Blue Apron could be for you then if you're not – I mean Blue Apron is good for people who don't cook that much or for people who cook a lot. It's this company and what they do is they send you a box that has all the ingredients in it already measured out in the exact proportion you need to make a delicious meal. So you don't uh-huh. have to do that thing where you go to the grocery store and you're like, I think I need that but I don't know how much so I'm just going to get more than I need. So you you don't end up with a whole bunch of stuff and you're like, what do I do with this? I just wasted all this time shopping. I spent more than I needed to. No. Cooking and eating should be fun. Fun. But if you're busy or health conscious or just don't know your way around a kitchen, it can be a chore. Blue Apron makes it super easy to make a fresh, delicious meal. And here's how it works. For $9.99 per meal, Blue Apron will send you a refrigerated box with the right high-quality ingredients in the exact right proportions. Simple step-by-step recipe instructions right to your door. And the recipe card is ideal because it's got it's broken down and it's got pictures, so it's idiot-proof. Gary's done it.
4: I have, and that, shows, Gary you, that shows you that it's even, idiot-proof.
1: Even Gary can do it. Meals are only 500 to 700 calories per serving, though you'd never guess it given how delicious they are. Some of the things you can make, roasted chicken with latkes, macadamia-crusted cod with forbidden rice, yellow beet, and avocado. They also have vegetarian options like chestnut fettuccine pasta. Um, it's all so good. And all you, of this is
0: non-caloric food, right? You, in other words, well, you can
1: its Yeah, it's between 500 and 700 calories per <laughs> serving. That's right. <laughs> Hardly That's anything. Bad. Yeah. Uh, so you can cook incredible meals and be blown away by the quality and freshness. It's fast, fresh, and super affordable. So you guys can see what's on the menu this week and get your first two meals free by going to blueapron.com slash Allison. That's right, two meals free just for going to blueapron.com Allison. Okay, let's take a quick break. And bring Sandy in. All right, we're back now, still with Wink Martindale and his lovely wife, Sandy. Welcome to the show. Thank you.
0: 39 years.
1: Wow, congratulations. you yeah, got to be
0: just doing something right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I recently got married. What are some some uh, secrets? He's my best friend.
0: Yeah, we're best friends. We do everything together. We're here tonight, you know, to be on your show together. Not because she had to come, but she loves to go with me, and I love to have her come along. How would you guys meet? We met, uh, I'll let you tell that story.
5: Okay. Uh, I was in Palm Springs at the Music industry's Golf Tournament because my dad had a nightclub on Sunset called the Red Velvet, and we started the Righteous Brothers, Glen Campbell, Roger Miller, Sonny and Cher. They all worked for my dad. So uh, it was a fun time in my life, and they asked me if I would come to Palm Springs and drive the booze cart because people like Glen Campbell, Andy Williams, and all the people, all the record industry people that would play in the tournament, they would bet on every hole and they would have to, you know, $5,000 a hole or whatever they bet. Anyway, they bet a lot of money. So the booze cart, I would drive it and at every hole I had to make sure they signed off and consumed a shot of whatever it was that they <laughs> drank. So they were all equally drunk by the end of the tournament. Anyway, I thought, "Oh, okay, I could do that, but I thought I'm not going to go by myself because they're all Bunch of people drinking, so I took my girlfriend with me, and my girlfriend knew Wink. Uh, her uncle was Les Brown, the band renowned, and um, so she had a music background. And her father worked for Capitol Records, and so there they were. They come by the coffee shop. We were staying at the Jean Autry Hotel, so we're having breakfast. And they walked by. They were going out to check out the girls at the swimming pool.
0: <laughs> I happened to be there simply because I was doing a, a uh, uh, industrial film for General Telephone that Sunday. So I had flown down to Palm Springs. And we got there early, so I... Went to the Gene Autry Hotel, for whom I worked at mm-hmm. KMPC in those days. And so we walked by looking for a little action, but a
5: pool. And my girlfriend said, there's Wink Martindale. And I said, no, that's not Wink Martindale. That guy's too young and too cute. Wink Martindale's an old married man with a lot of kids, because I grew up watching... A young
0: married man with
5: No, a lot you of kids. were, well... <laughs> I used to watch his dance party show because he was from Pacific Ocean Park. And I'd come home from school and watch the show every day. So I thought, no, that guy's too cute. That can't be Wink Martindale. Anyway, no luck at the pool. They come back by the coffee shop. And Terry goes, Wink. And he goes, oh, hi, Terry. And he was with a guy that lived next door to him by the name of Michael Schmidt. Michael Schmidt talked to me. He talked to Terry. 20 minutes later, they bought our coffee. Nice meeting. Goodbye. They left. Two weeks later... My girlfriend calls and said, guess who called me for your phone number? And I said, who? And she said, Wink Martindale. And I said, really? He didn't even flirt. Pardon the pun. He didn't even wink. Nothing. (laughs) He didn't flirt with me. So I thought, well, that's strange. But she said, oh, he's really a nice guy. And if he calls you, you should have dinner with him. I said, okay. Two weeks go by. He's building up his courage to call. (laughs) So finally he calls. And we're going to go out on a date. And it's going to be a double date because this other couple... Bill and Karen Smith, Bill Smith worked with him on radio and he got fogged in in Catalina doing a report, so Wink brought his girlfriend Karen on the first date cuz he w- he didn't know how really to date at that point it in his life. It was a little
0: ménage à trois. Or how,
5: no, it was not. Or how to converse. <laughs> he wasn't good at like dating and talking and so he now, figured No, were
1: you just recently divorced? divorced? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: And it's funny because, you know, right out of the divorce and I said, "Man, I got married so young, had all these kids, I'm going to play the field. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and who's the first da-da. one I meet?
2: <laughs>
0: this one. Right. And I'm still waiting to play the field. In fact, I may have to start looking for me a younger... Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, I guess yeah. not.
1: How, now, how old were you when you got divorced? Or like how... Hmm. When was this? Well, let's see.
0: How old would I have been, Sandy?
5: You were in your yeah. 30s. Yeah, me? I guess
0: I was about 32.
5: Okay. 33. So no, 32. no. Maybe you were 40 because I was... Thirty when I married Who's you, counting? but we knew each other for four years yeah. before we we dated for four years to make sure because neither one of us wanted to make a mistake, so we right. wanted to make sure this was the but right she thing. She
0: had an annulment.
5: I was married for six months when I was twenty-one and had that annulled, and that so that was a but this worked ah, wake out pretty good, an eye opener. So yeah, so
1: uh, then after our first date, and so how how how. Were you on the first date since you were kind of nervous? I
0: was great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How was he?
5: He was very sweet. He was very nice. He was very shy, and it was. A, we went to the Chart House in Malibu. In fact, for his most recent birthday last week, the only thing he wanted for his birthday was to go see the Life of Irving Berlin at the Geffen Playhouse. So he said, oh, mom, this is the best. So I bought tickets to take him and surprise him. And he was so thrilled. And uh, and after that, we went to – our chart house in Malibu is now a Mastro's Ocean Club. So also we went good. there. Yeah, also very good. <laughs> and we had a gorgeous sunset and a beautiful dinner. So that was my uh, birthday Aww. present to him. I think so I got sweet. laid that night, didn't I? But, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so he uh, – <laughs> You can cut that out. Huh? Uh, he, he's, he's, he was wonderful on the first date. And he's a wonderful husband. And now, in the morning, a hint for your husband. uh, Wink makes the coffee. Wink squeezes fresh lemons because we have lemon juice and water in the morning. He reads the paper. He cuts out all the things that he thinks I'll find interesting. He cuts out love is for me every morning. And the birthdays because he knows I'm interested in that. So by the time I get up everything's all ready for me oh
1: that's so sweet <laughs> so it Isn't sounds like neat? the secret to a happy marriage is that the husband gets up first
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well she she's certainly like not s- one to get up her i own.
1: like
5: my sleep more well because i grew up in the nightclub business so i grew up being a late night person he grew up in morning radio so that's the only part where we're a little opposite so I try to get up earlier, and he tries to stay up later, and we've got a pretty good balance. For
0: years and years, I did morning radio, you know, and it's a clock in your head that in automatically Tennessee. goes off at 3 or 4 o'clock. You know, you've got to get up and get to the radio station. And I still wake up at 4, 4.30 in the morning. and I just get up, and wow. I take two newspapers, and I go through those and listen to the, you know, television news while I'm doing it.
1: Oh, get a little closer to the microphone there, yeah. Wink. Although I feel like your perfect voice projects... But, okay, I'm um, getting a little note from Gary. So, now, so you guys must go to sleep at different times as well?
5: Uh, he kind of dozes on the couch with our chihuahua, Olivia Newton Martindale, <laughs> a little before I uh,
0: <laughs> before I go to sleep. Tell her where we got Olivia Newton and why we named her that.
5: Well, we used to have a family of seven chihuahuas. We had uh, Mr. Bumper, Miss Stumper, Rocky Elvis, Maui Martini, and Winky Tennessee. And then we got... <laughs> Lady Godiva and Claudette, which was a game show that he did called Det. We named them after all of his mm-hmm. game shows and things that were, like, interesting to us. Anyway, little Maui Martini had a heart attack and passed away.
3: Aww.
5: And we were going to Las Vegas that weekend to be with Wayne Newton, who I grew up with and dated as well. And so we went to see Wayne. I said, how do you get over the loss of your animals? We just can't. You know, Wink and I just we really suffer. And he said, Sandy, you don't. You just get another. one." Well, I still had two at home. We still had Rocky Elvis. And Lady Godiva. So I thought, no, we're not going to get another one. Well, his wife called our room the next morning said, when you leave, And I said, tomorrow. She says, well, uh, I have something for you. If I don't get it to you, I'll FedEx it to you. Well, within 10 minutes, her sister was at the door of our room with this little cage. He spent his whole day off looking for a new dog for us. So we had to get Newton in there. So she's Olivia Newton Martindale. And Aww. she is now 12.
1: That's so sweet. <laughs> I know. And they were gonna FedEx you the dog. If you <laughs> no, I think she was just kidding because they right. were they
5: were gonna they were gonna bring it over. But she, I get, wanted to keep right. a little more mystery or surprise to the whole thing. Yeah.
1: Now, were all your dogs Chihuahuas?
5: Uh, our first dog was a silky terrier that Wink's children gave us, and his name was Gambit after Which one of Wink's first game mm-hmm. shows. And we had Gambit for 14 years, and then we went into Chihuahuas. We were just I was at a pet store in Century City one day, and there's. This little black chihuahua and a little white chihuahua, and they were brother and sister. And we were just getting ready to go to Canada to do a game show. Wink was doing, I think it was, was it Bumper Stumpers? Yeah, we were getting ready to go up to do Bumper Stumpers in Toronto. And so I said, oh, you got to come see these two little chihuahuas. And he came and he saw me and said, oh, they're darling, well, let's take them both. And I said, well, we can't, we're going to Canada. So we paid for them, and the pet shop agreed to keep them for the two weeks till we got back from Canada. So we named them Bumper and Stumper. So they were our first two Chihuahuas. And then before I fixed her, I wanted her to have at least one puppy. So she couldn't marry her brother. So she had a one night stand in Orange County with a little dog named Smokey. And she had four <laughs> little boys in Yeah. Four little boys in one litter and And so I took her to the vet when she was ready to give birth, and he said, okay, well, she's going to need a C-section, so I can guarantee you four healthy puppies. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. And um, he said, come back tonight. And I said, you don't think I'm leaving, do you? And he said, well, you can't come in the operating room. And I said, well, then you can't operate. So he let me go in the operating room, and I watched them come into the world, and they went, it's a boy, it's a boy, it's a boy. (laughs) She had four little boys. And And then by then, you fall so in love with them, you can't give them away. Right. I mean, we kept them all.
1: The reason I asked about Chihuahuas is because I have one dog who is about 14 pounds, but I have this dream of having a bunch of dogs or at least getting another one. My husband, because I I was holding her, our dog, and I said, I just want more of this. And he said, because she's still a puppy kind of, and he's like, I want less of that. (laughs) Just (laughs) loves her, but the puppiness is, uh, you know, puppies are a lot of work. Puppies are a lot of work. So anyway, though, I have my eye on... If I do actually get another one, I would like to get a small dog. And so I'm thinking maybe a chihuahua or something like that. You'll
5: love a chihuahua. They're so easy. And, of course, I am small and fragile and delicate myself. So I cannot handle a big dog. Even a chihuahua can pull me down the street. So you figure a little dog. They eat little food. They make little deposits. (laughs) Everything is small. So it's really the best of all worlds. And they're not and, do and they you bark a lot? No, no, it depends. Yeah. If you socialize them right away, then they don't bark as much. But you do want them to bark when strangers come around. And to they the, do bark the at door. strangers. And that's about it. Other than that, she doesn't bark at all.
1: So, of all the projects that Wink's done, what's your favorite, Sandy?
5: Of all the projects that you've done, what? Well, it would probably be the game show that we created together called Second Honeymoon, where children said um, played a game and it was how much they knew about their parents. They proved how much they knew about their mom and dad, and and the winning family would win a second honeymoon. So I would say that was probably. And then also Tic-Tac-Toe because, as Wink says, that's the one that gave him the longest employment. So that's one of our our top shows as well. We like Tic-Tac. And Gambit because Gambit was 21, and we did Gambit in L.A., and then we did Las Vegas Gambit. So we used to fly to Vegas every other weekend for a, a year or so, and that was a lot of fun as well.
1: Do you guys, I mean, obviously it seems like you do work well together, but when you're actually both working in a business sense, how does that go? It
0: goes well because we get along so well together, you know. It sounds like everything's perfect. Nothing is perfect, but uh, I guess I'm the only perfect one of the two of us. (laughs) That's probably, (laughs) it. But uh, we just, you know, we work well together and uh, we enjoy uh, creating together. I've done, hosted 22 Game shows. I never could hold a job, I guess. Either that or everybody wanted me to host their game show.
5: It's
1: it's that. But if that's the
0: case, how come I don't have Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune? Or Price is right.
5: Timing, Daddy. Bad <laughs> timing. <laughs> yes.
1: You mentioned perfect. You know what's perfect, and this is an, a segue, is uh, Sherry's berries. I don't know if you guys are uh, familiar Sherry's had? berries. Yes, they're so
5: good. Yes. They are oh delicious. my gosh. They Big, are oh, juicy, strawberries delicious. Strawberries covered in chocolate and exactly. nuts. Exactly. Do you have a swizzle, favorite? Swizzle.
4: They're amazing. Do you have a
1: uh-huh. favorite? I think my, my favorite, favorite is the white chocolate oh, with the dark chocolate. That's the, yeah, uh, me Swizzle. That's my favorite. I'm a
4: white chocolate. Yeah, it's fan. got the,
1: I can see, I can picture it in my head. Me too. But my husband's favorite i think is the milk chocolate with nuts but then they also have chocolate with chocolate chips they that's have all my kinds- second
4: favorite yeah the chocolate they're- with chocolate chips if you're in a milk oh, chocolate yeah. mood oh, yeah. that's a move those are good yeah, but yeah. they're
1: all good mm. and there's more than one way to get your shopping for the holidays done so don't get your tinsel in a tangle you don't have to get burned <laughs> out with the crowds instead shop with convenience right from your home christmas is coming up not that many days left to shop wrap and deliver your gifts so give An incredible, delicious gift. Skip the crowds altogether. Buy Sherry's Berries in seconds. You can get freshly dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries starting at $19.99. That's over a 40% savings. Or double the berries for just $10 more. And to do that, you will need my code to take advantage of this special deal, and that is Best Friend. So go to uh, berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click on the microphone in the top right-hand corner and type in Best Friend. Again, berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click on the microphone the top right corner uh, and type in best friend, then they'll know that we sent you and you get the special deal. So Sherry's Berries are the perfect gift without the hassle, and they really are. I've, I've had them myself, and I love them, and I've given them as gifts, and everyone goes nuts over Sherry's Berries. And they're so. healthy. That's right they're basically they're healthy it's fruit, there? yes, it's nuts and chocolate, and all three of those things are good for you exactly and on the berries or on the sherry's berries website, there's all sorts of other things besides just chocolate dipped strawberries. they also have um, cake pops and they have dip pretzels and they have mm. truffles, and um, you can spend a lot of time just looking through all the delicious things they have all right, so back to you guys now, I know that you. Well, now I know that you dated Wayne Newton, but you also dated Elvis. Mm-hmm. And Wink, you're really good. You were good friends with Elvis. Yeah. But that's completely separate, right? Well,
5: it's, what's funny is Wink and I had so many parallels because me growing up in the nightclub business in Los Angeles, and I met a lot of the entertainers, and then he being in the radio and television business, he knew all the same people I knew. We just didn't know each other. I mean, we both were very close to Glenn Campbell all mm-hmm. of his life. And, but not together.
0: We came to each other from different directions, you know. Elvis. Yeah. I met that night in, in Memphis and was a close friend. And then later, many years later, I met her. She had known Elvis from a completely different direction. Amazing.
5: And when he said he was from Tennessee, and I told this to Elvis the last night we were with him, I said... Wink scored points with me immediately because I loved the state. I loved all of Elvis's Mafia. I loved everything about Tennessee because he was such a wonderful part of my. He raised me and he was a great part of
1: my life. So yeah. So what is your history with Elvis?
5: Um, he came to my dad's nightclub when he got out of the army. In fact, he he met Priscilla two months before he met me, but she was prettier, so she got him. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, came to my dad's nightclub. He saw my picture in the office and he called. And my dad, it was like 10 o'clock at night, and I was 14, and I was in bed going to school the next was day. Was your
1: dad like, why are you calling for my 14-year-old daughter?
5: <laughs> oh, no, my dad said, oh, he's a great guy. You okay. want to call my daughter? Fine, call my daughter. In fact, when, not to change the subject, but I met Glenn Campbell and Jerry Fuller, who wrote all of Ricky Nelson's songs um, at... Two o'clock in the morning, he closed the club, brought them home, and he said, uh, Glenn, uh, what's your last name? Uh, daughter, wake up. I want you to meet my, these are my friends. He didn't even know their last names. I mean, but they were good guys. They came to the club. They got up and sang, and and they were his buddies. So that's how he did but Anyway, so Elvis called and said, um, I'd like to meet you. And I said, well, my mother won't drive me up. It's a school night, and um, no deal. And I thought, Elvis Presley, that's a funny name. So then he calls the next week, and it's the same thing. It's a school night, and... So he says, look, I'm going to be here next Thursday. He came every Thursday. And he said, so ask your mom if she'll drive you up. And my mom said, okay, fine. So she, in the meantime, my dad came home said, he's gorgeous. He's the nicest guy, blah, blah, blah. So my mom drove me to the club, and there I am with a ponytail and a frilly dress, and he's got a date with a gorgeous, sexy-looking actress. He held my hand. He kissed me on the cheek, and I just sat there and stared at him because he was so darn good-looking. <laughs> and um, then he called and said he wanted to date me. And my mother said, I don't care if you're King Farouk. My daughter's only 14. She can't date you. And he said, but you can come on the dates, Mrs. Farah. So (laughs) my mother came on the first three dates. That's when he used to live at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. And after the third date, uh, he promised my mom he'd be a gentleman. He'd take good care of me. And she believed him. And he did. And that was how we met.
1: Wow. And then how long did you date him?
5: Well, right up until the time he got married. We were and we were friends till he died. Mm-hmm.
0: Everybody asks her one question above all the rest: Who was the best
5: kisser? How was it to kiss Elvis Presley? And I say, and this is my answer, and it's the truth: <laughs> Elvis Presley was the best kisser, but Wink is the best husband.
1: How do you feel about that, Wink? I don't know. It's kind of
0: bittersweet. <laughs> I don't know whether that's good or bad or indifferent. You know.
1: <laughs> I mean, would you hope a little bit for, like, Elvis was the best kisser until I met my husband, Wink, and he's better? That would be
5: a lie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least she's honest. Right.
1: Well, I read Elvis and Me. Have you read that? Oh, darling, I've read everything. (laughs) And I saw the the made-for-TV movie, which may have been in two installments. It was around the—I don't know how—I think I was like in eighth grade, and I became briefly obsessed with Elvis and me and with the TV movie. Was that
5: Kurt Russell playing Elvis in that? No, it was someone—I
1: forget his name— um, but I think Susan Walters played Priscilla Presley. And oh, I it was think that's a who, dark-haired
5: guy. Yeah, yeah I, okay, I remember. I, think I remember was Dale. we met him one day. Was oh, that the he one where Ronnie
0: McDowell sang all the Elvis
5: songs? I think so. Elvis. Yeah, Ronnie sang all, the, sang yeah. Elvis. It was very
1: soap opery. The guy who played Elvis yeah, yeah. didn't really look like Elvis. No, in, in well, nobody
5: one. looked like Elvis. Sorry.
1: Yeah,
5: <laughs> it's hard so, to find a match for him.
1: How famous was he at this point? He was pretty famous. Oh, he right? was. Oh, yeah. So, what was it like being with him?
5: Well. I guess it was a good training ground for being married to Wink, because it helps you not be real jealous. Because I'd sit, I'd I'd be Elvis's date, and I'd be sitting there on the couch, and some girl would come into the room and should have be cut down to there and dress up to there, and and it's trembling and shaking, and oh, Elvis, I can't believe it's you. And he'd look up and he'd say, "Honey, you know, sometimes I can't believe it's me either," <laughs> and and. I just knew that, you know, I was his date, so I felt secure in that, and he was always calling me, so that made me feel secure. So it helped me in my lifetime relationships because jealousy is very unimportant, and you shouldn't be jealous because if a person wants to be with you, they're going to be with you. And if they don't, there's nothing you can do to turn that around. So it just makes it easier to enjoy your life to not be jealous.
1: It's a stupid,
5: it, wasted emotion. Actually, yes,
1: but I think that it seems, in my experience, it just takes a while to get to that point where you realize that. Because I, think oh,
5: it does, it does.
1: For me, like I think to the realization that pretty much. You're not really in control of whether the person wants to be with you or not. Like They either do or they don't. And if they do, they'll be there. And if they don't, they won't. Exactly. I mean, obviously, you can act like an awful person and push someone away. But for the most part, things either happen or they don't. I think I spent so much of my young life... Worrying. Yes. (laughs) And thinking, well, okay, okay, I said this, and then he said this, and then I said this, and then he said this. What does that mean? Did I say the wrong thing? Thinking that somehow, if I presented myself a certain way, if I said a certain thing, if I... It would make a difference? Yes. And it doesn't really...
5: No, and you only realize that as you get older. Yeah. And you get more intelligent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. How did you do with the ladies? Well, it sounds like you did well with the ladies, Wink.
5: Oh, yeah. Well,
0: I had a few. You know, I did okay when I was uh, growing up. But the problem was I got married so young, you know, right out of high school, that uh, I missed a lot of my uh,
5: fun times. (laughs) Poor baby. And then, I, and then I met her when I
0: got my divorce. and uh, It just breaks
5: out, my heart. It's turned out to be That us. you've had such a long, healthy life because you married me instead of being deceased, eating all that horrible food and smoking cigarettes. He, he wouldn't be here had he not married me. Yeah, if what I hadn't married Sandy,
0: because when, when I met her and we started going out on dates, every night... Every I night. was eating either a prime rib or a New York strip steak and two or three double vodka martinis on the rocks and baked potatoes, some other
5: sour cream and chives, you know, everything and that you big, can imagine. Desserts, I mean, it's okay in moderation. Everything's good in,
0: in, in moderation. And, and
5: smoking and, and not and exercising.
0: But all those bad things, you know. So she came along and taught me how to clean live. myself up and how to live <laughs> the right kind of life and how to eat right. And to this day I take this many vitamins, you know, double
1: <laughs> double fist.
0: Double fist of vitamins and I have no idea what she's, you know, giving me. In fact <laughs> I said to somebody recently I said, she could be killing me and she turned around and said, Yes, yeah, slow death. It's 39 a very slow years. death,
1: isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, when this started, were you resistant at all?
5: Yes. Yes, very resistant to vitamins and and, and now He's so cute because he'll say, uh, Mom, uh, those probiotics. Oh, okay. And what's that stuff you take first every morning? Aloe vera juice? <laughs> now he's actually asking me. It's only taken 39 years. But, uh, yeah, now we're adding a few things that he wasn't taking before. And, of course, the fish oil and all of that he's taken a while. But, but
0: there's no question about it in my own mind that had she not – come into my life, I would probably have left the planet 10, 15, 20 years ago, the way I was, you know, living my life. Just no question about it. So thank you, darling.
5: You're welcome. Thank dear. you very much. And we also don't stress each other. That's c- Stress can kill you as well. Yes.
0: We actually, we get along great. We have a we, lot s- of fun. It, it sounds like we have the perfect marriage. I mean, we argue from time to time, but we never very really seldom. have any knockdown drag outs. We used to. But uh, we haven't had that sort of situation in years.
5: One of our secrets is, um, which is really just a a plus and it's just a quirky thing, we have the same taste in everything. I played a game one time. I went into the store because we needed a new coffee table. And I went in the day before and I looked at all these coffee tables and I said, oh, (laughs) this is it. I said, but I'm going to let my husband come in, and, and he'll pick this one. And he says, well, how do you know your husband will pick this one? I says, because we have the same taste. I said, we'll do it like a game. So Wink comes in the store, and he goes, oh, that's nice. That's nice. Oh, I like that one. <gasps> mom, look at this one. <laughs> same coffee. And the guy looked at me and said, yeah, you know it. You, kn- said, you yeah. know
0: by now, you can tell by now that I call her mom, and she calls
5: me Yes. Because we have chihuahuas. <laughs>
0: We're mom and dad to chihuahuas.
1: <laughs> oh, that's – yeah, actually the first time I ever heard my husband refer to me as mom or mommy was when he was talking to the dog. And I thought, uh-huh. well, this feels strange and weird because, you know, we don't have – we we want to have kids. We don't have kids yet, so – it, and I think it was bef- it was before we were married when we were just engaged. But I thought, oh, I can see where this is headed. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. Um, it, oh it yeah. Is. So, do you? What do you think of current game shows?
0: Um, I don't care for the reality games, but uh, I uh, the ones that are really I think uh, still on the air and doing well are still on the air and doing well because they are. Basically, good games. I would be very you interested know. to know who... If a game format is a good, no host in the world can save it. I mean, can, can hurt it. But you can have a, a, a bad game, and the best host in the world can't make it a hit. So I look at shows like Family Feud with Steve Harvey now. Enormously successful, more so with him than it was with Richard Dawson. And, of course, Wheel in Jeopardy and Price is Right and uh, who wants to be a millionaire. All those shows, any of which I would love to have hosted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> which one would you love to have hosted the most?
0: Uh, I think that I would... Uh, I think Jeopardy is the best format for a game ever invented. invented by Merv, Created by Merv Griffin mm-hmm. and his wife. I'll give you the answer, you give me the question. I mean, how's, nothing could be simpler than that. And yet it's the most difficult of all the games. And it's... Perfectly suited for Alex because he's he has that professorial you right. know tone and everything, and um, but I think in answer to your question I think Jeopardy I'd love to have done Jeopardy
1: for me. There's such a drop off from Jeopardy to Wheel of Fortune like I cannot dive on that remote control fast enough. I I used to like Wheel of Fortune I just don't find it. I don't know. It doesn't hold my interest anymore, yeah, but I do I love Jeopardy. Yeah,
0: I don't watch Wheel, but I will watch Jeopardy because yeah. I, I, I don't do very well at Jeopardy because it's so fast, and it's not easy. No, you it's know? not. I mean, it's not an easy game.
5: But I, Wink's been the answer several times yeah, on there. Yeah, that's exciting. I, create,
0: I created a show once for <laughs> the first time Merv Griffin ever bought a show from outside his own company, and it was from me, a show called Headline Chasers, and there was filling in headlines, past and present. And it was somewhat like Wheel of Fortune, where you had to fill in the words and come up with the headlines. And it was, again, it was a difficult show. It only lasted a year, but uh, it was a terrific show. It was just hard. Mm -hmm. I remember we were in Florida to see a program. We were out trying to save the show after about nine months, and the ratings weren't well, weren't good. And so we were sitting across from this program director in Miami, Florida, and he said something I'll never forget. Yeah. He said, could you dumb it down a little bit? (laughs) You know, his ratings weren't good, and we were trying to do what we could to, you know, make them better. Could you just dumb it down a little bit? I thought, wow, you got to dumb down a show to make it better?
1: How? What are your feelings in general about the TV industry? Because, you know, I sit next to Adam every day, and he has a lot of, I don't, I don't know if I would say bitterness, but he doesn't have the most, he doesn't have the highest faith in the people that make the decisions in television. Adam who? Adam per- <laughs> 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 that was Adam. That was a joke. To
0: answer it. <laughs> <laughs> I got you though, didn't I? You, uh, you did. I was you, like, you, Adam, you came oh. up with Corolla almost just like that.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, because I don't want to be that person who's not you using last me. names, just assuming people know. I think television. You
0: know, yeah. you know I, gosh, there, there's. I still think about the days when we had like four or five channels, you know, and it seems to me that maybe it's just me being old-fashioned and getting older, but. It seemed to me that we had so many more really good shows in those days. Quality. Uh, You used to, like, for example, I Love Lucy, you know. Sandy, you would make it a point that you knew exactly when it was going to be on the air. Channel
5: 2, 8 o'clock, every Monday night. Ed Sullivan, Channel 2, 8 o'clock, every Sunday night. Just the other night, they had an I Love Lucy Christmas special on. They colorized it. And it, it was episodes that I had seen them all, but the, the one where she's in the chocolate factory mm-hmm. and laugh. I sat there just laughing out loud. It's clean humor that it, it's just her comedic genius is just people have tried to imitate her and be her. But the, there was only one Lucy. But my Nobody point was going to, to be, yet. you
0: know, and now we have 150, yeah. 200 channels, and you know, watch. I, yeah. and, and uh, it seems less like quality. you really got to look. Search for something really good to watch. Do you find that to be? I find true? that to
1: be the case. Yeah, it's like that sort of paradox of five hundred channels and nothing's on. Yes, yes, yes. exactly. I like mean,
0: it. years ago, you would think if you had all these channels, you'd think, "Wow, guy, right. it, it's niche television." If you, if yeah. you, you want to watch ants play, you know, you got <laughs>
4: you got a channel for that. You know, right. just,
1: it doesn't make much sense. Yeah, I think Gary had a question. Which uh, actually. I will
4: Actually, Wink kind of answered it. I was wondering, of the, of the hosts who are out there today, you know, who do you really respect and think does a good job and does a service? You know, especially, I guess I'm thinking more specifically about shows where there's been turnover in hosts.
0: Yeah, well, uh, again, my favorite host today in this, in this era would have to be Alex because I think that show is indigenous to him. Nobody else, in my way of thinking, could do that show better than Alex Trebek. It is his show. I've always thought that there are certain game shows that are right for a particular host. Nobody, in my opinion, which I do respect, as Wayne Newton used to say, nobody could have done Newlywed Game better than Bob Eubanks. He was the perfect host for that show. And you could go right down the line. Gene Rayburn, Match Game, you know, Tom Kennedy, name that tune, Uh, you know. So,
5: Wink Martindale, Tic Tac Toe.
0: I'd like to think so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, Wink, you have a restaurant, right? I had. Did. One. had.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and now a half million dollars later, I don't have one.
1: <laughs> I've, yeah, I've heard restaurants are very, very oh, hard. Oh, that's
0: one you want to stay away from. Did, yeah. How?
1: Like, wh- where was it? What was it? How handsome? Well, it was called you? Wink
0: Martindale's, and it was in Memphis. I always thought that you know I spent a lot of years in Memphis, and I thought if I'm going to do, I always wanted to have a restaurant. Because I used to laughingly say, well, if i got my own restaurant, I'll always have a place to go eat. <laughs> okay, so my brother and I decided to, uh, he wanted to go in with me. So we, uh, well, Sandy really wanted me to go into the restaurant business, you know.
3: <laughs> Get the shovel and put your boots on. <laughs> no, we, so I, I, I knew thought, better. <laughs> if I'm going to
0: do it, I'll do it in Memphis where people really know me and where I was, you know, uh, a localized kid. Right. So we uh, called it Wink Martindale's. It was a very uh, a very classy. classy restaurant, pink tablecloth. I mean, it was first class. We spent a lot of money fixing it up. We thought we would do it the right way. We went to the Culinary Institute in Hyde Park, New York, where we hired the Keating Award winner, the top person in the class, and the second person in the class. Both of them came down to Memphis, and they were our chefs. And uh, we, had a, we went to Las Vegas and hired two young singers, Chris Hudson and Doug Salibi, Hudson and Salibi, they are still Move in them. Memphis to this day. Move them from mm-hmm. uh, Vegas. Las Vegas to Memphis. And they, we, we built them a beautiful sign, you know, big sign like the band show out here. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> big fancy sign. And uh, they, our bar was packed every night. Just packed. And... Uh, Sandy and I, I remember that first year we made 47 trips back and forth from LA wow. to Memphis. Where do you
5: live in the sky?
0: <laughs> and uh, we would get to Memphis and we would grab a car and go to the restaurant, pull up, we'd see Fine, this fu- happened after a while, after a second. I'd
5: say, year. Daddy,
0: there, who's that new, car got a
5: new Corvette? Oh, bar manager got a new Lincoln. Everybody Isn't that was getting lovely? A new car except except Wink. us. <laughs> we were putting so it, money in every it month. It turned
0: out that uh, we were we were just getting stolen blind. My brother was a very successful builder in Jackson, but he couldn't be there all the time, and he wasn't a restaurateur. And you know, I discovered I'd been told this, but uh, I didn't listen there. very well. My you got to be there twenty five so hours successful. a day. You know, you've got to be right there. on Or top else of people
5: it. will be stealing. from yes. Oh my gosh we we wow. we used to get uh, like the ashtrays would have you know the logo in there. Then after they stole all of those, then we got plain ashtrays. Then we got... um, We had this big brass planter at the front door with a huge corn plant in it. And one day at night, we're sitting in the bar... And Wink sees some man walking down the street with carrying this thing. One o'clock in the morning. And Wink runs out there and says, Huck, where do you think you're going? He said, my wife wanted a souvenir from Wink's. And he said, you bring that. I'm going to call the police. Actually, what I said you bring was that you in mom- there. Yeah, <laughs> you put that back. So then he, he put it back. And then um, Isaac Tigrett, who started Hard Rock Cafes and House of Blues, his mother, when we opened, gave us this beautiful silk arrangement that I put in the ladies' room. And like a week later, Wink said, "That is the, what is that? In the, that is the ugliest thing. And I said, it's beautiful. I walked in. They stole all the silk flowers. It was just little sticks sticking up. So oh I called God. her and I said, Francis, where did you? I, want to, I got it redone. I thought maybe it was just a one-time. Right. They did it again. I said, Wink, they don't deserve anything nice in the ladies' room. Was
1: that the employees or the customers? Customers. Wow. Customers. So de,
5: customers took everything the, that wasn't na- If it wasn't nailed down, it left. The right. coup
0: de grace, after three years, uh, one- The Keating Award winner that we hired from the Culinary Institute Mm -hmm. in Hyde Park, he and his uh, buddy, the coup de gras was one night in the middle of the night. We came in there, and here they were doing Coke on the floor of the main dining room. And I thought, well, that's it, you know.
5: But we, we were successful. I mean, we thought we, it was like having a private party every night for 500 people you never saw before and you're never going to see again. But we would, all of Elvis's guys that were still living would, would come there. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis would get up and sing in the bar. Tanya Tucker would get up. I mean, whoever in. was wow. in town, Lee Greenwood. I mean, our our, our bar. We had fun. It was fun. happening. I mean, Danny it... Thomas when he was back there for St. Jude because we worked for the hospital a lot. Uh, he would bring everybody from the hospital there for dinners. I mean,
0: and I will say this fun. about the chefs: uh, th- the we, food was good. The food was good. I mean, we you know they had
1: a lot of energy. We had a lobster yeah.
0: tank where you can go pick out your lob. I mean, we really tried to do it right. Uh, when we opened, we had the big two-night opening for all the m- mucky mucks in um, <clears throat> Memphis. Fred Smith
5: from FedEx. and
0: Fred Smith used to come in all the time. Was a regular and
5: guy, one of the he- uh, head guys at Holiday Inn So we hired the best PR
0: firm in Memphis to take care of all that. Right. And so uh, – it was it was an experience. It and was and I must say I'm 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 <laughs> glad I, I got it out of my system.
5: And we lived through it.
1: Yay, score. <laughs> <And laughs>
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm still here to tell about it.
1: <laughs> now you mentioned that you used to have bigger fights than you have and occasionally now you have disagreements, but you used to have big fights. Was the restaurant
5: Oh one darling, of them? yes it was. Because <laughs> having grown up in the restaurant business, I knew a lot of things. But because I was a girl and his brother was very kind of uh, male males know everything females Um. know nothing i mean one day i was in the kitchen and there's all these potato sacks stacked up by the back door which is right next to the stock room which is where they would just shop going out the back door and i said wink they're stealing no mom they can't be (laughs) i said they're shopping (laughs) but nobody believed me yet, so it so you know so i said okay so it used to be every time we'd get on the airplane in la we'd say oh we're going home meaning to tennessee and then as we started losing money then all of a sudden we'd get on the plane and we'd get to la oh we're going home and i said oh thank god <laughs> and my girlfriend said sandy you're the only person i know that would laugh about losing money but it's like you know this isn't working yeah. and so it just he had to lose money in order to learn that it wasn't going to work but I'd much rather give up money than my husband.
1: Smart. You know what else is smart? Here it comes. Another one. Uh, MeUndies.com. Gary, <laughs> you're wearing MeUndies, are you not? I am. No wonder you have just been... I've been floating, floating around, around this room. It's crazy. <laughs> Katelyn's
4: been reaching up and pulling me down every few minutes so I can make sure that we have the uh, soundboard run
1: Because you're just that comfortable. Yeah. You spend ninety percent of your life in your underwear, and underwear gets old fast. And you know the feeling of putting on old, saggy underwear. Well, Gary doesn't know that feeling anymore because he's got new, well-fitting underwear, uh, great-fitting underwear. You, if you want to pe- be wearing great-fitting underwear, like Gary is, underwear mm-hmm. that is two. Would you say it's two times softer than cotton? <clears throat> At
4: at least. And what else – the other thing I'll say is that with traditional cotton underwear, that first wear is always the best one and then there's a steady decline from there where they just get worse and worse and the elastic gets screwed up and all that. Not the case with these. I've washed these a couple times, and they're still just as delightful. They're perfect. MeUndies is the
1: most comfortable underwear you will ever wear, and it's insane how good they make you feel. They fit perfectly. They don't write up on you. They literally pull moisture away from your skin so you stay cool. They have cool styles for both men and women, and they all look great. You can see the photos yourself at MeUndies.com. This quality would typically retail for two times the price of MeUndies, but Here, no retail middleman means more savings for you. So you guys can go to MeUndies.com slash Allison. You get 20% off your first order and free shipping. You save even more when you buy a pack of them. And they guarantee you're going to be happy with them or your first pair is free. But once you feel MeUndies on your body, you're never going back. So to get that 20% off, go to MeUndies.com slash Allison. Okay, I think we should do just me or everyone. Are you guys? Sometimes I ponder on. Something I have thought or
2: done.
1: Is it just me
2: or everyone?
1: All right. So, this is a segment where people write in with things that they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? So, I read them, and then we talk about whether we also do whatever this is. Mm. Okay. So, Tanya says, I randomly think I see wild animals in highly unlikely places, like a tiger in the hallway or a monkey in a bathroom plant. So is that just her or everyone? If I am very very tired, I will occasionally think I see something, like have a almost a it's almost like I begin to dream while I'm still awake. And if it happens while I'm driving, that's a horrible feeling. What about you guys? Do you ever just randomly see animals?
5: Sorry. <laughs> nope.
0: Occasionally if I'm tired, you know, I will and, and I'm re- like in the morning when I'm reading the paper and I've just gotten up, I'll occasionally, I don't know whether it's because my eyes are playing tricks on me or just whether I'm going blind or not, but I see little little spots off into the distance, to the right and to the left. Those are I called floaters. Floaters.
5: Yeah, that's that well, happens. that
0: happens from time to time.
5: Yeah. Yeah. But um, I see little chihuahuas, but that's because they're really there. They're there. there. <laughs>
1: yeah. Joe Sue Montenegro says... And I am uncomfortable reading this in front of my legendary guests. Burping after eating anything with bell peppers and tomato sauce is the best. Garlic Japanese the worst. Well, I'm with you, a sushi burp is the worst kind of burp ever. But certain burps are okay. I wouldn't <laughs> eat faces on my guests. I wouldn't, wouldn't eat make the food that make me
5: burp. If you're burping them, then they're, you're not digesting them I properly. Can't think so of the last eat time something I else. <laughs> I can't
3: think of the last burped. No, we time don't.
5: Really? You we don't, don't burp? burp. No. I don't think you so. could also be, you know, if you're eating and talking at the same time and you're swallowing air along with your food, that could make you burp.
1: Are you suggesting that one should, should strive for a burp free existence? <laughs> I that, would. <laughs> does that mean that you're, you're eating the right kind of diet if there's no burps? I think
5: that must have something to do with it, because I don't know. also burping. Let's see, that would have something to do with like the esophagus and maybe a little reflux, or right. because something's coming burp. back up. No, I don't burp. Oh, I bet, I bet though, <laughs> I if heard you, you pass, wind. honey. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, we do we like uh, to talk about that. Here, no, so you know fine. what would make you burp? We don't drink two, beer. Two beer fistfuls would, beer, of vitamins. Beer, I think, would make. No, that doesn't make us burp. Uh-huh. But I think beer makes people burp.
1: Beer's pretty burpy,
5: because that you're you're swallowing all the uh, air bubbles. Yeah. So that would make you burp, and maybe like a a soda pop that has a lot of air bubbles, because you're actually swallowing air, and that would be the same thing as if you're if you're eating and and talking at the same time and swallowing air with your food, then that air, I guess, it has to come some has to come right. out some way.
1: Well, you could pass it as wind.
5: (laughs) Yes, you could.
1: One end or the other. (laughs) Gary, care to weigh in on the burp situation?
4: Uh, I think it's insane to strive for a burp free existence. Um, No offense. I'm
5: not striving for it. It's just is. (laughs) They've been married for 39
4: years. I'm impressed.
1: Wink has never heard her burp.
4: I'm impressed and concerned. I think you should consult your doctor. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, I mean, I don't. Yeah, if something. If something that was wildly offensive also made me burp, so I had to taste that, I would, I would avoid that food item. But um, there's no – I don't think there's any one particular thing that I identify – that I can identify where I think afterwards, I hope – re- I really hope I don't burp for the next eight hours.
1: <laughs> or like I really hope I do.
4: Yeah, no. Nor, nor yeah. that. Nor that.
1: Yeah. All right. Kaylin?
4: Um, I don't. I don't mind burping. I don't ever think like
1: <laughs> babies burp.
4: It's, yeah, it's just. Well, he's a baby, of, so that fits. I have been eating a lot of Zanku chicken recently, so I can certainly relate to the garlic burps that have been coming out.
5: When you have a baby, darling,
1: you will be burping I your baby. My baby. So I babies hope, burp. I hope so. J and Bobos says things I will never do. Type LOL, except now say the OC or wear a visor. Well, Gary and I are both from Orange County, and I can say that I always just refer to it as OC. I don't say the OC.
4: Sure. Or or I'll just say Orange County. I don't say the OC.
1: No. No one says the OC. Only people who... The TV show yeah, started the OC.
4: Yeah. And I, that, the only time I would say that is if I was referring to the OC. Right. The and, show.
1: And I also don't type LOL. I'll, I'll actually write ha 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 to avoid typing LOL. And I haven't worn a visor since I played tennis as a kid. So I guess I'm with you on all those. I do. Somebody LOL else, too
5: much. Somebody says "lol" instead of uh, laughing out loud is lots of love.
4: Yeah, that's, I like that better. That's a popular
1: <laughs> misinterpretation of "lol." Uh, <laughs> Misread.
4: It, it's a popular thing online that like that's what that's what moms think or yeah. like you know older people. Yeah, I people. saw that somewhere. It, it's it's a, that's a popular meme online or whatever, right? Yeah. Or a meme. <laughs> I was
1: just gonna say See, I couldn't
4: resist. I know, Shout yeah. out to Brett Ernst. We love you, Brett.
1: <laughs> Megan says, even though I'm almost 30, I still have dreams about skipping school and fear being caught. <laughs> I don't have the skipping school dream, but I have school nightmares, which is where all of a sudden I'm back in school or mm. – no, yeah, in the dream it's usually somehow I'm back in school and there's a test and I didn't know about the test and I can't find the classroom and there's all, the, all that kind of anxiety. What about you guys?
0: If I had ever skipped school, my mom would have killed me if she found out about it. I, it never, That sort of thing never even occurred to me when I was growing up. I mean, school was school. You you know, when, when the 8 o'clock bell rang, you were there in your seat, mm. you know.
5: I only skipped school once. I went to Hollywood Professional School, which doesn't even exist anymore. And there was a senior ditch day, and my mother drove us all to the beach.
1: <laughs> so... <laughs> 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 I didn't get in any trouble. <laughs> Wink. were your? It sounds like your parents were pretty strict.
0: Yeah, my mom was. My dad uh, could have cared less. You know, he. My mom was really the one who raised us. So yeah, she was strict. She was strict. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, never did. I only told her a lie once, and that that was. Uh, she found out about it, R- really and truly. One time I lied to my mom, and she found out about it, and she took me out in the backyard we had a weeping willow tree in the backyard, and she took off a branch of that thing. Oh, my God. I don't guess you could get by with this today. No,
5: it would be child abuse. Me,
0: she whipped me to a fare thee well. I mean, whelps all over my I Honey, you head. were
5: an abused child. Yeah. You just well, didn't know it. Well,
4: guess what? You only uh, lied that one time. <laughs> That's right. I never lied to her again. There you go. What For was, sure.
5: What was uh, well, the lie?
0: I don't remember what it was. it was. But it must have been a killer because she really was pissed. Wow. Yeah.
1: How do you feel about that that whole incident?
0: It was just the way it was when we were growing up. you know I mean we didn 't know any any better. I mean if we did something wrong, uh I got paddled more times than I can have fingers and toes you know mm-hmm. with a with a big paddle you know it wasn 't like it is today when you did something wrong, whether it was lying or whatever, and I uh, only lied that once that I remember but I did other things that I got whipped for and I mean got whipped and I I I can't tell you how many times she put me over her lap and I mean just whipped me to a fairly well on my butt I Jeez. mean it, but,
5: That's why you're such a good husband today daddy
0: But you know what <laughs> I think uh I don't know how much it, how much good it did you know in the way I turned out but but th- th- that's the way it was. Yeah. I can remember working at Baker's Drugstore, you know, in, in back in the day, in the 1950s. Uh, well, let me say this. I carried a paper out and did the drugstore thing at the same time. Uh, so it had to be 1947, 48, in there. And uh, blacks would come in, and you couldn't serve them at the uh, soda fountain. Unless they'd go back to the back of the store and they could order and you could take them a cone. But they couldn't wait. They couldn't sit at the counter, you know. And now I look back on it and I think, oh, my. God. But that was the South in the 40s. Right. And that was just the way it was. And now you look at it and you think, I can't believe that happened. But it did.
1: Yeah. My dad was born in 33 uh, in he lived on in New York. And he has stories of. I don't know where this may have been like on the way to Lake George or something I've seen signs that said blacks and Jews and it probably probably those weren't the words used but blacks and Jews don't let the sun set on your head in this town whoa stuff like that I mean just how just welcoming, totally, huh? yeah exactly just I mean a complete different world
0: well you know we we had uh, we had a, a soda fountain uh, not a soda fountain but a water fountain for whites and and a water fountain for "Quote unquote," colored, right? You know, and it was that way right on down the line. It was just two separate ways of living.
1: So, when civil rights started happening, what what was your reaction?
0: Well, I was delighted that it was just a matter of time before it happened, and uh, when it did happen, I was delighted, and because uh, you know, you, since then we've never looked back, and things have gotten better. And certainly not perfect. But so much better than the way they were in those days. But I was thrilled when it. I happened.
5: was born ten years after Wink, and I didn't know of any of that. At our club, my dad had the coasters. We had little Richard. I mean, and there was no there was no difference to me. Mm-hmm. There was no I didn't see color.
1: Is that because you grew up out here? Maybe.
5: Maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah, I didn't grow up in the South, but I never saw color. I saw people.
1: I will also wonder, in entertainment, and you would know Wink from working in show business, it, my sense has always been that the entertainment industry is a little more progressive than, well, certainly than the South. Yeah, than I the would gen, think so. the general population. Yeah,
0: I think because of the entertainment business, especially the music world, <clears throat> and I guess movies too, but especially the music world, uh, I saw things progress faster in that arena than anywhere else in terms of uh, the African-American on becoming on an even part yeah, with,
5: like a, with a white. Yeah, like Nat King Cole was mm-hmm. a big star, and so people, you know, wanted to go see Nat King Cole. And I think Frank Sinatra did a lot uh, in regards to things like that because he was such good friends with Sammy Davis Jr., he and uh, Dean Martin. And they wanted him with them on stage. And it it just kind of evolved, like, naturally.
0: But here was Nat King Cole, who was the biggest star in the world of music uh, in the 1940s and early 50s. And uh, he played Las Vegas, and he couldn't uh, have a room in the hotel in which he was starring. And finally, Sinatra is the one that broke that uh, wide open in Las Vegas for Sammy Davis Jr. and Nat King Cole you don 't want them, and if they can 't stay in this hotel i won 't stay in this hotel and i won 't perform here either and He's the one that broke down the barriers
1: yeah it's uh I think for young people today to know what it was really like back then because you yeah. hear stories, but it's just crazy but I mean even this is not the same, but just just the little differences in in what we what is uh just the little differences in culture. Like my husband and I have been watching Love Boat, which is uh, mm. showing on I mm. forget what channel. But now not that's a that, good show. Yeah. And not that. I mean a long time ago, but not, not like the 50s or something. Uh, and this is not about race, but about something mm-hmm. else. There was just this episode that we saw called The Kissing Bandit where Billy Crystal plays this character who puts on a mask and walks up to women from behind mm. and then kind of grabs them and kisses them and then shuffles off. And the women are all, you know, in love with this. But nowadays, there would never be that plot line because that would be, you know, some creepy guy in a mask is forcing himself on women on a cruise ship. Like, oh, that yeah. Would that would be have a, a whole
5: different <laughs> Whole different meaning. connotation.
1: Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. And then it w- that was innocent. Right. But, it's, but watching it through modern eyes, it's yeah. weird that that's innocent. Or, you know, there's another... Another plot on the show where mm-hmm. there's this guy who really is taken with this woman and he keeps showing up wherever she is mm-hmm. and really being pushy. Oh, stalking well, t- today. <clears throat> to me, he Hello? seems pushy, but mm-hmm. she's ultimately charmed by him on the show. But, yeah, it seems like stalking and being yeah, pushy yeah. and just – it's just weird that just the subtle differences. Yeah. All right. Back to back <laughs> to the important topics. Uh-huh. Elizabeth Bannister says, I lay in bed at night and systematically spend fantasy lottery winnings with an accountant's attention to detail. No, I don't do that. Although when I used to watch Wheel of Fortune, I used to think a lot about which showcase I would get and what I would buy. Well, I think that's a good
5: idea because Jim Carrey carried around a check in his pocket for $10 million and then eventually he got $10 million. So at least she's thinking positive. Right,
1: exactly. Make it happen, girl. (laughs) Benjamin May says, when I have allergies, I prefer to blow my nose into cleaned (laughs) hand towel instead of tissue, less overall waste and mess. (laughs) Yeah, ew. That's kind of like using a handkerchief, I suppose. I prefer tissue.
5: Yeah, well, handkerchiefs are old-fashioned, and they didn't have tissue, and then they moved on to tissue so that you didn't have to use handkerchiefs. I prefer Charmin tissue. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, I know, Daddy. It's Roto Rooter approved. Yes. <laughs> will it flush? That's the. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. it will. Absolutely. The Charmin <laughs> web series that you hosted, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you have a lot of Charmin at home now? I hope we just they, got some
5: today. He really? got some as a birthday present from, from the people in New York that he did the commercial for. We got a box of Charmin tissue. We got two Charmin cups. And we got some Charmin tissue coupons.
0: This huge box nice. on my living, on, on my front doorstep when I went out to get the mail today and opened it up. And it, it was for my birthday. We were
5: hysterical laughing. <laughs> it was so cute.
0: Because I had told him back when I decided to do that 90-minute video for Charmin Tissue, I said, "Uh, you know, in addition to my fee, I think you ought to throw in a year's supply of Charmin Tissue. So I think uh, they're well on their way to doing that.
1: (laughs) That's nice. Mandy says, just me or everyone, I only – oh, speaking of tissue. Hmm. I only buy Viva paper towels since hearing the heartbreak of Allison treating herself but arriving home without them. Oh, yeah. This is a very famous story from my podcast. Where um, I bought some Viva paper towels and then I got home and they weren't there. I think I'm – I don't know what happened to them. Either the person – the guy bagging didn't put them in or I left them in the bottom of the the cart and it was uh, pretty upsetting. So I was pretty excited Aww. about the paper towels. But then a fan sent me paper towels, Viva paper towels. Well, so it all nice. worked out. Just Dawn says, <laughs> "Always tempted to recite upcoming dialogue in a film or show I've seen many times, like Star Trek or Godfather." Um, SWMBO just shakes her head. What is that? What is that acronym? S- Ms- Gary, do you Sandy know? and Wink. <laughs> <laughs> what is SWMBO? I think Gary's looking it up. It's got to be like his wife or his girlfriend, or swimbo.
4: Wow. Okay. It's wife or girlfriend. Anyone want to guess what it stands for? It's she who are the first two letters.
1: She, she who, who makes
4: she who must be obeyed.
5: Ah. Oh. <clears throat> Excuse me while I choke.
1: <laughs> really? Wow. wow.
4: That's according to Urban (laughs) Dictionary, and it certainly makes sense in this context. Is there an Urban
0: Dictionary? I had
4: no idea. Oh, yeah, the the Urban Dictionary is a fun place. Okay. (laughs) Anytime you ever see something that you don't get, or you hear somebody say something that you don't, go type it in there. Okay, it's almost always right.
1: Just shakes her. Is that said in a loving way, or in like a? I. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's "he
4: who must not be named" style. I think it's (laughs) you know, I think it's kind of along the lines of "happy wife, happy life."
1: yeah oh that's for sure yeah
4: (laughs) oh that's that is the best thing that's the best advice my father's ever given me
1: doesn't jay moore have that tattooed on his person
4: wouldn't shock me he's got some weird tattoos like a giraffe and stuff that wouldn't surprise me at all because i think the
1: giraffe has special significance oh it does they all have
4: special significance right Um, but yeah i Hmm. that would not shock me
1: i think he does We'll have to ask next time. All right, and then finally, Nathan Kors says, I panic and pretend I didn't notice my corn on the cob squirting my dinner companions when I take a bite. Yeah, corn on the cob is hard to eat in, hmm. in mixed company. Yeah, It's been a really long time since I've had corn on the cob, actually, now that I think about it.
0: I love it, corn on the cob. I know you do. It doesn't bother me. I don't seem to squirt anybody when I eat corn on the cob.
4: You Lady can. That, that happens, though. Yeah. I, I understand what they're talking about. I like corn on the cob, too, but um, I, I saw a friend do this once, and I, I thought it was a power move. And I've, <laughs> I haven't done it myself, but I really liked it. He ordered corn on the cob, but he said, but before you bring it out, will you please have the chef slice it off? So he got a bowl of corn-on-the-cob-style corn that tasted like corn-on-the-cob, but without any of the fuss, and he just went at it with a fork.
0: I can't imagine eating corn. To me, uh, a lot of the fun of eating corn-on-the-cob is eating it off the cob, and I always go deep into it, so I don't... Oh, me too. I get get all there is there. (laughs) I leave nothing on the cob. Mm
1: -hmm. Sandy,
5: corn, cob? Um... I've never had the squirting problem either. Well,
0: your dentures uh, don't allow.
5: (laughs) I don't have dentures. (laughs) Uh, No. uh, (laughs) Didn't we just talk about this? (laughs) Happy
0: wife, happy wife. I know, but sometimes I just have to put her in her place. (laughs) Going home tonight, she'll say, why did did you say say that? that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She does not have dentures. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Uh, No, I've never had a
5: problem with corn on the cob, although recently I've been reading... They're this whole gluten free, now they're saying wheat free, and they're saying corn is the same as wheat and gluten and that you shouldn't eat any of it. So, <laughs> look out, Wink.
1: <laughs> this is coming after your corn next. I know, I know. I yeah. feel the squirting happens more often if you're squeezing lemon onto something.
5: Yes, squeeze it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that could burn somebody's eye. I mean, right. A little, little corn in your face never hurt anybody.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much for being on my show. This was really fun getting to know you guys. Thank How you, Allison.
0: It's a delight to be here. Thank you, and uh, we would look forward to coming back again someday. We, uh, we've just, we haven't discussed half of our life.
1: I know. I feel like we're just scratching <laughs> we the surface. Just did a little bit,
5: <laughs> Daddy. You
0: know, we might, uh, if you don't mind, we might end by uh, Sandy you telling the story. Which we alluded to uh, before we started tonight, about the last time we saw Elvis, because that's that's a that's okay. a very... Um,
1: if, if she would like to I would love it. to, yes. That,
0: do we have time for that? Yes, we do. Okay. Oh,
1: yeah, and also you had mentioned that Sandy has a pretty good, or has a, a theory of why Elvis kind of went the way he did, right? Yes. Went the direction he yeah. did? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was talking about, uh, you know, your theory about uh, why Elvis got uh, hooked into the Oh,
5: yeah, yeah. Drugs. It was all really very innocently. Uh, <clears throat> first of all, when he would come to California to do the movies, he had to get up early, be on the set, you know, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, and then he'd have to go to sleep at night. Well, he, first of all, he loved eating, so he was worried about his weight. So he would take an upper for energy and to not eat a lot because he wanted to fit in the tight right. pants and things that he wore on the set. And then in order to go to sleep, you have to come down from that. <clears throat> so then they would give him a little sleeping pill. And this was all from the doctor. Right. So he would take an upper and a downer, a diet pill and a sleeping pill. And then as his system got used to that, then it didn't have the same effect. Then he would need two diet pills and two sleeping pills to get the same effect. And I remember many times I would just flush them down the toilet. And he said, Sandy, you don't understand. It's perfectly healthy. It's prescribed by the doctor. I know what I'm doing. You know, he didn't think there was anything there that could harm him. So that vicious cycle kind of got going. And then he started doing the karate and breaking the boards and the bricks. And his little fingers got all deformed because he got arthritis. Mm. And then from playing a lot of football, he also had some arthritis problems. So that made that even worse. And then he had to start taking medications for pain. So it's just kind of like a snowball rolling and slowly getting out of control. And then when he went through his divorce and lost his wife and his child, I think he just gave up. Yeah. He just really wasn't happy anymore.
0: And the last time we (coughs) saw Elvis alive. Was in uh, December of uh, nineteen seventy six. It was my birthday, and we went to Las Vegas to see Elvis's show. And he wanted us to come back between shows and talk to him. So we went back, and uh, his dressing room was full of people. Just you know, he couldn't stir him with a I stick. Up. <laughs> and
1: uh, do you want some, We can get you some water. Oh, that, that would be lovely. Yes, could we bring some water in? Okay.
0: And he uh, he just wanted to talk to us. He had seen us on Tattletales that day with Bert Conby on CBS. How much do you know about your spouse? And uh, he couldn't get over how much we knew about each other. Of course, he knew me from my early days in Memphis, and of course, Sandy, when he dated her. And um, it was just one of those, you could just hear a pin drop in that room. Everybody wanted to hear what we were talking about. And I remember he said uh, he was so proud of me and how well I had done in my career. And Sandy later said, what's wrong with this picture? Elvis Presley's telling you how well you've done in your career. <laughs> But uh, we had uh, a wonderful time and and uh, talked for about a half hour. And then when we left, we got back to our hotel and we closed the door behind us and we both broke down crying because he looked so, you know, mm-hmm. he was overweight and uh, he looked very unhealthy. And I said to Sandy, I said, that's the last time we'll see him alive. And sure enough, uh, the following summer, 1977,
5: he <clears throat> died. Yeah, he died. But he was talking about... He saw us on the game show that day, and he said, Oh, my God, you know so much about each other. And that's when I told him that he was responsible because I loved everything that was Tennessee. And, that, and of course, I got the perfect Tennessee gentleman right here. And and then he was complimenting your career. And then he said that I was one of the nicest girls from the nicest families that he ever knew. Oh. And uh, he didn't want us to leave, but Wink never likes to overstay his welcome and he knew he was tired. You know, he said Elvis is tired, and we we gotta well, go. He had another and, show to do. But too. he was saying, you know, don't leave, I, yeah, because he was like grasping onto like a happy time in his life with Wink and with me yeah. and happy memories. And the other thing that that I think, uh, and nobody's ever really looked into in regards to the drug situation is, you know, back in those days they didn't know about food and drug interactions. And like with any kind of statins now, if you you can't have grapefruit with right. them. I mean, there's there's different things. The quinine in there, and he was getting ready to go on tour, so he went on a very strict diet, and he was eating grapefruits twenty four seven. And they said when they found him, there was hives around his middle. It could have been as Allergy. as simple as an allergic reaction. I mean, they'll never know because in those days they didn't know about those things. That. Right. That evolved later, so it could have been an interaction of one drug with another, or grapefruit, or you know. I mean, it was an innocent. I mean, he should still be here singing, is what yeah. the deal is.
0: Okay, you wrap the show, and I, I, I got us back into that, so I'll let you wrap again. Okay,
1: <laughs> I'm just, I'm just struck by. I'll wrap in a second. I'm just struck by you realizing that this will be the last time we see him alive. That's so sad. It was. It was. And I sent him uh, a nice letter that night.
5: I wrote it and, and gave it to Joe Esposito uh, saying we had a little house in the Palisades then. And I said, you know, why don't you come stay with us a few weeks and let us, you know, nurse you back to health. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that wasn't going to happen. But uh, we tried. Yeah. We tried.
1: Well, Wow. Now we're going out on a real bummer.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about Just, that. No, no,
1: no. It's okay. You want um, me to tell a joke? <laughs> oh, do you have one? Do you have one oh, honey, for I, I, opportunities I, like this? I always,
5: have, I always have jokes. So there's this couple, and we'll ta- we've been talking about health. So they want to be healthy. So they eat everything right. They have bran flakes and they're raisin bran every morning because they're going to eat the healthy diet. They're going to exercise. They're going to do everything right. While they're walking down the street, they get hit by a car, and they end up in heaven. So now they're in heaven. St. Peter's hanging up their clothes in this gorgeous mansion. He goes, wow, look at this mansion. What is this going to cost us? And St. Peter says, nothing. You're in heaven. Oh, we're in heaven. Oh, that's good. Look at that golf course. Look at those. What are the green fees here? There's no green fees. You're in heaven. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Well, where's the health club? You don't have to go to the health club anymore. You're in heaven. Wow. Well, where's the dining room? Well, here's the buffet and there's steak, prime rib, lobster, desserts, and anything you could ever want. But wait a minute. Where's the healthy food? Where's the fiber? You don't have to eat that anymore. You're in heaven. He looks at his wife. He says, you and your frickin' bran flakes. We could have been here 10 years
1: ago.
3: <laughs> Thank
1: you. You're welcome. <laughs> Did that pick us up? <laughs> that was good. Yes. All right. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it does help out the show. Thank you so much for all of your Amazon support. And we have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Sorry. It was a little bit blue. You can get that by searching, hey, go fuck yourself, uh, on your iPhone in the iTunes store. We have two special bonus episodes. Uh, I
4: kind of want to play it again for Wink.
1: Do you want? Okay. I feel... Daddy and she look so innocent. I know. Okay. (laughs) Gary's going to play this for you. All right. (laughs) So I'm sorry in advance. Hey. Hey.
5: Hey. Go fuck yourself. At least they have nice harmony. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right, two special bonus episodes recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. First one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops. Next one with Doug Benson, musician Matt Costa, and much of the Thursday Gang. Those are $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. Mm. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Where should people go to find out more about you?
0: Okay, Sandy, you're going to tell everybody, because you do it better than me.
1: Facebook.
5: Dot com slash wink martindale games one is, word what wink
0: martindale games is all one word
5: okay wink martindale games is all one word facebook.com slash that's wink his main facebook page he has two other he has another facebook page and then of course he has his website which we went to which we haven't been keeping up because we've moved on to twitter because he tweets every morning and and his oh, what's facebook your, what's page, your twitter name wink martindale yeah oh okay at wink martindale
1: gotcha yeah, so yeah, yeah he tweets. You out with he Martindale. tweets every
5: single morning, my baby, yeah. and uh, and that's his Facebook page. So the, those are the two main things that. Um,
0: my first tweet tomorrow morning will be about this. Tomorrow.
5: Oh, and perfect. Then, and then Wink Martindale. Let's see. What uh, I think it's Wink Martindale. Is it dot or, or dot net? Is that one still work? It's either WinkMartindale.net or dot. She's going to do .org, our little friend in Tennessee, who's putting new websites together for us. Because I'm selling my glasses, my Elvis glasses, um, and we're selling. Uh, what else are we selling? We might be, we must be selling something, Daddy. Oh, yeah, he does this tribute to Elvis. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, but no, actually, my glasses. You can go to uh, Graceland .com. And I have beautiful Elvis glasses that I am They're selling. They're yeah. They, they are. It's a classy right way of saying, Elvis, I love you. And Graceland sells those. So it's either at Graceland or Graceland.com exclusively. Okay. It's, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur now. I just went into retail.
1: <laughs> nice. You'll show up on Shark Tank next. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith for Kalen. Don't worry about Yeah. Me. Don't worry about him. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye.
2: Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Thank you for choosing the Allison Rosen Show. and rolls and shows
1: Now that the show's over, don't forget to check out Blue Apron. Blue Apron sends gourmet recipes and all the fresh ingredients you need to make them right to your door. Go to BlueApron.com and see what's on the menu this week. To get your first two meals free, make sure you go to BlueApron.com slash Allison. That's BlueApron.com slash Allison.